What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? Got a killer panel today. Very excited to have all of them here. Uh, and we'll be bringing them in shortly. But of course, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend, Bill, here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, please do like, subscribe, share, all those things, super important. They help get this show in front of more eyeballs. And thank you to those of you that have been doing that regularly. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. HODL THE BITCOIN Before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is the bitbo.io dashboard. We're sitting at $22,768 per coin. A single US dollar will snag you 4,391 sats. 90.95% of all Bitcoin have been mined. And in terms of fees, yeah, it's been a, a volatile ride the last little bit. They're sitting at 22 sats per byte for the next block. But if you wait a little bit, you could probably get in somewhere between two and six sats per byte. Uh, if you have anything imminent, then keep those fees a little bit higher or, you know, use RBF or something like that. Just if you want to sneak in some lower fee transactions. Shout out to sponsors of the show, ShakePay.com. If you're in Canada, super easy way to stack sats. You can e-transfer in and out. No deposit or withdrawal fees, thin spread. If you sign up with the link down below, after your first $100 purchase, they'll give you 30 bucks for free. You also earn 30 bucks every time you refer a friend family member that does the same. You can shake your phone every day for free sats. You can use their sats back visa card. There's just a ton of different stuff you can do with them. So be sure to check them out in the links down below. Ledin.io, you can use your Bitcoin for a ton of different services. These guys just completed their uh, fourth, I believe, fourth proof of reserves. So they've got independent auditors that go through uh, all of their books and make sure they're not jerking you around. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I find them particularly useful if I do need dollars. Uh, perhaps it's a cash flow issue or whatever it may be. I can deposit Bitcoin, get a loan of dollars. When I pay back those dollars, I get back the same amount of Bitcoin. They do have savings accounts for Bitcoin and USDC, their B2X offering. They're rolling out Bitcoin back mortgages across Canada and soon to some select US states. Check them out at start.ledin.io slash BTC sessions. BitRefill helps me a ton with living on Bitcoin. I can pick up pretty much any gift card I can imagine on this site with Bitcoin on-chain and via Lightning Network, which I, I use regularly. Uh, on top of that, you can get things like inbound liquidity to your Lightning node. Uh, you can do all kinds of great things. You earn sats back as you shop. You earn more sats back with the referral program. Uh, and they just started rolling out bill payments in the U.S. So if you're in the U.S. looking to get on a Bitcoin standard, there you go. Check them out. Uh, Keystone, one of my more often used hardware wallets, 100% air gapped. You never plug this thing into anything internet connected. It's all done offline via QR code, and that keeps the keys to your money safe and away from internet connection. Uh, definitely upgrade to the Bitcoin only firmware. Obviously, uh, it works beautifully with Blue Wallet, Sparrow, Spectre. It's great in a multi-sig all around. Pretty awesome. So check out my tutorial on that and you can check out their site below. And finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, get it in steel, friends. 
Uh, paper just doesn't cut it, in my opinion. Fire damage, water damage. You might discard it if it's just flitting around the office. So uh, I tend to back up my stuff with a bill bottle over at privacypros.io. Check them out. And with that, I'm going to stop my ranting here. Let's get our guests in here. We've got some awesome ones today. We've got Lisa, we've got JC, and we've got Brandon. Welcome to the show, everybody. Let's do a quick round of intros uh, so that people are familiar with you. So um, I'm going to start with Lisa here. Uh, Lisa, can you let people know who you are, what you do? Yes. First of all, I'll tell you my last name is pronounced Huff. Everybody always asks me. Uh, I work for, so Ben, this is new, new announcement. I've left Unchained Capital. Oh, they are awesome though. They are awesome. It was tough to leave. I'm with Level Field Financial. We're in Houston. We are bridging the gap between digital assets and the traditional financial sector. So you know Sounds I'm a fan because I will tell you, I mean, I have been attacked for leaving Unchained. I've been called not a Bitcoin maxi. I've been <laughs> really like poo-pooed upon. And I'm telling you, I the, the Bitcoin maxi is alive and well in me. And <laughs> I really, I believe in what we're doing at Level Field. So we're helping people just, you know, get on to digital exchanges uh, and have all the financial services around them in a safe, secure, and simple way. That's our slogan. Awesome. That's my only shill of the night. That's what's new with me. Literally. Uh -huh. I look forward to reading all about it and uh, seeing what you guys are doing. This is news to me. I, I never knew, but uh, congratulations yeah. on the show. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump down to Brandon. Brandon, for people who are unfamiliar, who are you? What do you do? Yeah. Oh. How's it going, guys? Good to be here with you. Um, I currently am the head of comms at Swan. I've been there since 2019. It's been a wild ride. Uh, it takes a lot of my time, and I absolutely love working with those guys. Um, I'm most well known in the Bitcoin space for some essays I wrote in the past, exploring Bitcoin through a biological lens, uh, exploring it to fungi and some other newer similar topic essays. Um, I also advise SAS Mining, which is a hosted mining company uh, who is making moves, but still very young. Um, yeah, excited to be here. Awesome, man. Glad to have you back. And uh, let's jump over to JC. Dude, welcome back and let people know who are you? What do you do? Oh, you're muted. Sorry. I muted you because you're echoey in the back. <laughs> um, uh, been on a few times. Uh, one of my favorite shows, definitely. Always Bitcoin only. Uh, who I am, um, worked with a few Bitcoin startups, uh, been doing Bitcoin education for a while, lots of videos on Lightning. Um, pretty big Lightning advocate. Uh, I've been living on Bitcoin basically since 2017, probably, as far as literally 100% Bitcoin not even any fiat except for getting around town type deal. Um, made a cool video in 2020 with Guy Swan called uh, uh, Living on Bitcoin in 2020. Still still fun to watch that. Um, uh, but yeah, then I'm just, uh, just like everybody else here, I think, just enjoying uh, being here in, in Bitcoin and seeing everything that's happening. Awesome. Well, dude, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, and yeah, let's let's dive into it. So anybody watching that's unfamiliar, this is why are we bullish? So the premise of the show, we go by the three R's. Somebody's going to bring a reason why they are bullish. Then together, we're all going to riff on that reason. And then finally, we will rotate to the next person until we've all had a turn. Really simple. 
casual conversation. We just get to talk about the cool stuff that we like. So um, I'm going to give us a little start here. I'm going to start with my reason for being bullish. And that reason this week, and and you'll pardon me if it's not a fully formed reason yet because I'm still learning, um, but I'm super interested in what's going on with Fediment. Um, and I hadn't previously dove down this rabbit hole, despite many people telling me I should check it out. Um, but I do find it very interesting. I, I recognize some of the trade-offs therein, but um, I, I think it's, it's something really cool and it gives kind of a good uh, in-between option between uh, full single key self-custody for yourself or multi-sig self-custody with your own responsibility. Um, then there's obviously the all your money is with somebody else. And then there's this thing in between that can happen here. Um, so I'll explain my understanding of it. If any of you have a better understanding uh, of it than me, then please do interject. Uh, but my understanding of it is that this is meant to be more of a, a, a community created. Uh, it's, so it's, it's an open source protocol that can be used with Bitcoin, um, but it's, it's uh, meant to be more of a community driven um, protocol. So you could get together with groups of family members or, or people that you inherently trust and create a, what is effectively a large multi-sig um, with multiple, they refer to them as guardians. Um, and then how it, would, how it works is you'd have a large pool of funds here amongst multiple individuals, but you'd also have people that weren't quote unquote guardians that still had ownership of specific amounts of the UTXOs within this multi-sig, they, this then allows them to trade amongst each other within the fediment, um, in a privacy preserving, uh, and, uh, efficient way in terms of it doesn't add to the blockchain, um, privacy preserving in the aspect of on-chain analytics could look at the total amount sitting in the fediment it would potentially look like just an individual using a multi-sig. Um, there would no, be no way to know who owns what. On top of that, any of the key holders within the Fediment cannot tell who owns what portion of what UTXO or where. Um, and when transactions happen within the Fediment, they're all blinded. So um, basically, you as the recipient know how much you own. Um, or how much you've sent, uh, but people that are managing the keys are not privy that, to that information either. Um, you can also then uh, withdraw from the fediment. Um, and this is where I'm fuzzy on processes of entering and exiting the fediment to full self-custody. Um, and then the other part where I'm fuzzy, but sounded cool, because this is very like, you've got a walled garden of certain subset of people that are using Bitcoin within a community. Um, there was a mention that adding lightning to Fediment or using Fediment with lightning would allow different Fediment federations to interact with each other and open them up to the entire Bitcoin network. So this is my cursory understanding from listening to a couple talks and just starting to dip my toes in. And I think it's it, we sh we should be careful in how we talk about it. In that saying, you know, full self custody and having your own keys is 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 kind of like the gold standard of of uh, you know 
owning your own assets. Um, however, in an instance where perhaps you have family members that just refuse to act, <laughs> that just refuse to um, take self-custody or for whatever reason, whether it be lack of technical prowess or perhaps just sheer laziness or whatever it may be, um, this could be kind of an intermediary option um, because the, again, the talk that I listened to Obi uh, from the UK who previously uh, had an exchange for about, or ran an exchange for eight years said that in his, his experience um, getting people to self custody was, was incredibly difficult. And so, you know, in his view, when he's looking at it, he would like everybody to self custody, but he, if he's being optimistic, he's saying in the long run, you know, with the way things are right now, maybe you'll get generously speaking, 20% of people self custodying over time. Um, I hope it's more than that, but if this could be an in kind of an intermediary option, then I think it would be better than just a blanket. Everybody leaves their coins with trusted third parties at all times. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm bullish on it for the privacy aspects and for the scaling aspects of it. Um, and the let's push people in, in uh, the direction of taking more responsibility for their own money um, and see how far we can get them to go. So with that, I'm going to open it up to you guys. Uh, thoughts on any of this for, you know, if you're unfamiliar with Fediment, if certain aspects that sound interesting, so anything that you have to throw at me, feel free. So whoever wants to jump in. I'll start. Ben, I'm, I'm waiting on you to put a video out on Fediment. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it when the, so Fedi, there's two different things, by the way, there's Fediment, which is the protocol and then there's Fetty, which is an interface that Obi and a number of others have created, and they just raised some money for it. My, my question in that they're raising money and they did a seed round for it is how they're going to go about monetizing that. Because if it's an open protocol that anybody can use, what's the monetization strategy? But yes, when that, when that drops, when uh, there's an interface that can be used uh, to do it, video time. So anyways, go on. Yeah, no, I was just talking about it with someone else today. I, really, for the first time, I saw that um, there was some venture capital that got invested in the space this week. And a couple of Bitcoiners that I think a lot of are involved in the project. And so that makes me feel like God, I gotta, I've got to know more. Right. It's, I think, as somebody always says, uh, everything's good for Bitcoin. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it makes me think of. It, the way that it's structured, it makes me think very much of of liquid network, except for the the key holders are not like mystery key holders to the the quorum that that manages the peg. Um, it would be community members and and people that you know and trust, ideally, with this situation. So it's it's a different take on it, but it it enables um, a lot of the same stuff in that again. Uh, off-chain transactions, privacy, all that kind of stuff. How about uh, Brandon or JC? Either of you guys want to dive in? Yeah, sure. I can jump in next. Um, I think the, the big takeaway here for me is that this fits in really nicely in developing countries. 
Um, why is that? Because one, they may have extremely hostile regulatory environments, outright bans, strong punishments, maybe lack of rule of law, and they probably are going to have worse currencies. And I predict this decade, we're going to see an absolute destruction of the lesser currencies. And so I, I kind of see that as a, a really important tool to for those folks to save their uh, the fruits of their labor. Um, I think it also fits in nicely where there's no exchanges or there's fewer exchanges, right? So it would be more of a peer-to-peer -peer type economy, like what we're seeing in Nigeria with, um, you know, lightning for services, connecting all of Africa together with, with exchanges, uh, with services, sorry, without an exchange. And so I think it sort of fits in that sort of off regulatory books, dark, dark money, which I think is really important. Um, and I also think that you can build cool uh, community protocols or community banking. Uh, there's all, I forgot the words to, to name these things where everyone puts in a little bit of money each month and then one member of the group gets to pull out a large capital um, thing once a year and they get to buy a washing machine or some capital investment for their business. And so I think there's more cultural relevancy for these community banks in that environment. Um, the other thing is that managing private keys are hard and humans have no relationship to protecting information. And a Bitcoiner that I'm sure everyone on this call is well familiar with, Gigi, um, he, he explains this really well with the map is the territory, meaning the information, your private keys, your 12 word seeds, that is your Bitcoin. And you know we have a lot of history and practice storing physical things. We know to bury gold or put money under a mattress or in a bank vault, but we're not really good at information. And so anything that makes that process easier is really important. And of course, the reason is if the supply is held in individual's custody, it acts as a deterrent for any would-be state level actor or other nefarious actor. It essentially says, good luck attacking us because it's going to be very hard. And as long as you increase the cost of tyranny, um, I predict that that will repel the attacks because it's going to be really obvious how hard the attack would be to make. And so... I don't know enough about the protocol to say, but uh, the finer details, but that's my sense. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like the, your, your, you know, Nigerian example. Um, I, I, I think it, you know, there, there'll probably be instances of even rather than even just countries, like even small tight knit groups, tight knit small towns or something, having a fediment or whatever it may be. Um, uh, or, or in the future, a, a fediment uh, for a citadel, perhaps. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, no, I love that idea. Um, JC, thoughts? Hard to add to all of the great things that Brandon and Lisa have said. But uh, I think in general, you know, we're going to see um, a lot of people get really creative about ways that they can practically benefit from uh, the properties of Bitcoin. Um, the the, the protection from corruption, for example, um, while making, let's just say, I guess, more local trust assumptions rather than, I mean, who wants to trust, you know, the, the entire world's, who knows what happens after it goes into that internet wire, you know, on your on your computer, but but having local uh, institutions isn't even a good word, even more local than that, sometimes maybe in like a family, uh, a family held, I mean, families have always been, especially in the past when I think money was more real families have, have always been um very important and that's why you know you had your dynasties and everything else but and that and that kind of maybe uh, comes to citadels too but i think families owning their own um things like that and it's their own personal banks where 
you know, reputation is one of the strongest forms of trust, especially in those local communities. So um, that stuff is essential. And we're just seeing the beginning, I think, of what is to come. And I think the best solutions, whether they've already been kind of um, worked on now or not, um, will become apparent when people actually start needing to use them. And I think that's when the the uh, most important work gets done. I mean, I think Bitcoin was created out of a real need. It wasn't a need in the future. It was a need right now. And people used it right now um, because of that. And it's not like, of course, everybody doesn't use it, but everybody on this call, we all use Bitcoin for what it's for. And, you know, we didn't have to wait for everybody else to do that, to do that ourselves. And so that's uh, that's where we see, you know, fundamentally what's good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, uh, again, you're, you're right that Bitcoin was created out of a need at the current time, not forward seeking. Um, and I think it's no mistake that stuff like this is starting to pop up now where, um, you know, the past number of years scaling was kind of top of mind. And now privacy is becoming top of mind for a lot of people and uh, a protocol layer that addresses both of those things um, is, again, it, it's it's no mistake that these things are happening now. Uh, so I look forward to seeing how it develops. Uh, anybody watching that wants to kind of learn a little bit more, there is, I believe, fediment.org, uh, but uh, a really good talk from Bitcoin 2022 by Obi uh, happened. If you search on the Bitcoin uh, conference YouTube channel, uh, it is from day three of the conference on the open source stage. And it's just shy of the four hour mark uh, that Obi gets on stage. He does a little talk. And then there's another panel talk afterwards with uh, one of the creators of, of the Fediment protocol. So check that out, worth, worth a listen and kind of help me wrap my head around a lot of this stuff. So um, with that, let's do a, a little rotation. And everybody in the chat, by the way, thank you for being here. I'm going to start pulling up more of your comments now that uh, it's not my topic. Uh, so I'm going to pass the torch down the line. Uh, I'm going to jump to Lisa here. I'm going to let you take it. And I'm going to ask you, why are you bullish? It's a great question. Uh, I've given this some thought this week, and I think what makes me, what fills me up is that Bitcoin is reaching more and more people every day. And, and what I mean by that, I guess I'll just start by saying I am in Bitcoin for the people that are on the other side of the globe that don't have access to money, right? That's the compelling reason that, that makes me want to work in Bitcoin. I would have probably invested in it, but what really drives me to work and educate in Bitcoin is spreading the word to, you know, in, in my job, um, you know, working with folks in Texas to help them understand Bitcoin. But really, I see the benefit in them. You know, if they buy Bitcoin, it helps a woman in North Korea or it helps a family in Afghanistan that holds Bitcoin. And what I'm finding locally is that people are putting these pieces together. So I'm in Texas, obviously, you know, energy capital of the world. Um, just this week, I've attended two large gatherings of people and uh, one with a bunch of producers here in Houston. Um, the chairman of ConocoPhillips spoke and I got a chance to speak with him briefly and he's extremely interested in Bitcoin and they've got some people that are, uh, you know, exploring, exploring this world. And he was very receptive to more conversation. 
Uh, I learned this morning something really cool. One of our huge power providers here is looking to incentivize folks uh, to turn their thermostat up and in exchange for doing so, they're going to give you sats. <laughs> right? Really? Yeah. And so I, what I love about that is, is not, you know, the gamification of Bitcoin is not my favorite thing, but that it is going to be accepted by ConocoPhillips and one of Texas' largest power providers. And they're going to, and they are going to do the work of bringing the retail client to Bitcoin. Like I, I love that. Does it get any better? Like, because, go ahead. I was going to say, it makes me think of, because a lot of Bitcoiners on Twitter, they'll flex about how thrifty they are. Like you'll get some dude posting a picture of his socks with like six holes in them and be like, screw socks, stack sats. How many, <laughs> how many Bitcoiners are going to be taking a picture of their thermostat showing their house at like 15 oh. degrees or something? <laughs> like screw heat, stack sats. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's personally just, it fills me up to know that, uh, that every day this, this mission that we're on is, is spreading. I think, you know, I, I approach it, I guess, much like you guys, just from a more philosophical standpoint of, you know, this fixes so many problems that we have. And, you know, although it was not created to um, meet particular needs, it's, it's filling these holes and filling the gap whether it's improving the, um, whether it's, you know, spreading access to electricity, strengthening the Texas power grid, which we seem to hear a lot about, uh, giving oil and gas assets a place to go, you know, a, a buyer of first and last resort, um, you know, so improving the economics of existing companies. It's improving the economics of, of small towns that maybe lost businesses, which, you know, it's, I see that, I see how this will spread globally and that just gives me a great deal of hope because it, 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 so that so that's my local reason for being bullish on a global scale i'm really bullish that all of the government so many of the governments continue to bash it and want to ban it and say that well you can't trade it here or you the banks can't hold it or you know they're putting all this regulation if if they didn't care about it if they didn't think it was worth anything they wouldn't pay any attention but the, the outcry of government, to me, is a hugely bullish sign. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with uh, the idea that it's, it's not only reaching more people, because, I mean, it reaches a lot of people in, in a bull market, but I don't consider that to be people being reached. But you see these movements where the people that, that are are taking actions that actually have been reached by it at a, at a deeper level, right? The people that, I, I mean, for instance, the energy industry. Um, I mean, Bitcoin was, was always married to energy. Um, it's just that most of the energy industry didn't realize that they had the ring on their finger yet. <laughs> and they're gradually looking down going, oh, oh, didn't know that. So I think, I think the energy industry is waking up to the fact that um, Bitcoin and them are inherently linked, uh, and that the relationship is going to be a great one. Uh, and so I, I look forward to seeing that develop more and more. Um, again, like shout out to people like Steve Barber, who's lives in my neck of the woods and, and was one of the early people on that train trumpeting the fact that, um, Bitcoin, 
uh, can greatly help, you know, energy producers in that they can capitalize on the waste that would have just, again, gone to total waste. Um, and then they can also, uh, all the emissions that they are putting out, um, it also reduces those. So, you know, that lowers the carbon taxes associated with it. It helps in a myriad of ways. Um, and you get Bitcoin. So it's uh, it's a win 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 for uh, a lot of people here, and and many are just waking up to it. But uh, yeah. yeah, and just yeah. one more thing on the energy front. I mean, I feel like the energy industry has been so so beaten down, right? Investment banks that were in Houston have closed their offices because they're not investing in oil. And the other banks won't invest in oil and gas projects or you know help in that process. Um, the you know certainly the energy companies have seen. Uh, just it's just been incredible backlash with the ESG narrative, but, but with them getting involved with Bitcoin mining, it it helps everybody uh, not sell the reason for energy. But if I am Exxon or if I am ConocoPhillips and I bring energy out of the ground and I put it to work in a Bitcoin miner, they are protecting the most precious thing on earth. Like they are protecting those miners, the energy companies, and then the miners are protecting the most precious property on earth that belongs to everybody. That is what excites me. Yeah. I love that. I'll, I'll open it up to, to Brennan and JC. If anybody wants to jump in, feel free. All right. I'll jump in here. Uh, let's see. The first comment is around sort of your, your beginning comments there, Lisa, which was that we're all part of this global infrastructure project that is Bitcoin. And you flirted with an idea that I think Jack Mallers uh, hammered home for me the first time, which is that it's a public good and it is a money that we can all work with. So anyone anywhere in the world who's building on this open source project actually makes my savings worth more, right? That's a beautiful thing to align incentives with our entire planet. And it doesn't matter where you are or where you're from. There's no barriers. So that's a really special thing and, and truly unique. Um, yeah, we don't have anything like that. The other point about the asset before I get to energy is you, you sort of mentioned a passion around helping the people that maybe need it the most, right? Forget the old elites. Let's let anyone around the world adopt this new thing and take advantage of the price appreciation in the early stage. And my favorite part about this is that there's an inverse correlation between how credentialed you are and how long it takes for you to grasp Bitcoin. So the PhDs, the economists, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, all the old world, the legacy elites, they actually really struggle with Bitcoin. And many reasons why I think primarily is ego gets in the way and then their social group which reinforces their high status that they feel so good about, everyone around them dismisses Bitcoin because it is outside money. It is a uh, revolutionary force. It more or less uh, questions their own identity and everything that they built. And so and then it juxtaposing that with normal people with common sense. And they say, hey, inflation's bad. I don't trust the government. Maybe I should get some of this just in case. Right. And so that <laughs> it's poetry and it pleases me to no end. It's, it, everyone, I was going to say uh, that very much reminds me of this article from Croesus. Why yeah, they, I was just going to mention it. There you go. There you go. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Croesus is the man, a uh, really good thinker. He used to work with us at Swan. And 
Yeah, he essentially lays it out. What I was just going to say is that the in-group signals to you that Bitcoin's bad because it's outside of, of your wheelhouse. And he has a nice management consultant approach. There's a two by two quadrant down there somewhere, but everyone should read this one. I think it's a top 10 article for Bitcoin, honestly. And the main reason is because on Twitter, we're always bumping into people and we're like, oh, they're smart. They have a background. Why don't they get it? This is the missing piece in my mind. Um, I don't know if you had any more comments there on that one, Ben, before I go to energy. I was just, I just love this, uh, this chart that he has here um, where he has uh, propensity for Bitcoin maximalism based on color, which this is a horrible chart for me because I'm colorblind. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, he's got uh, two axes and uh, up and down is IQ and side to side is trust in the system. So uh, people that, uh, don't have trust in the system, but have a high IQ tend to lean towards Bitcoin maximalism. Uh, people that uh, have a lot of trust in the system uh, tend to uh, stray away from uh, Bitcoin maximalism because the existing system has done them very well. And if there's something that's going to uh, upend it uh, or make vast changes to it, uh, they, they likely don't want any part of that. Um, or will much be much more likely to dismiss it. So uh, yeah, anyways, I'd echo your thoughts that uh, this is, <laughs> yeah, and there's the typical yuppie elites in the top right. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I love this article. I thought it was was super fun to read. <laughs> and there you go. People who fall for Bitcoin, uh, eventually everybody uh, until the very bitter end for a select few. Um, so anyways, worth a read, but uh, go ahead, Brandon, go uh, move on. Yeah, someone has to be our exit liquidity at $20 million a coin. Anyways, all right, on to energy, which is honestly, in my Bitcoin journey, I would say I dismissed mining early on. I thought it was boring. I, it was confusing. I thought it was uninteresting. And then I realized that it clashes with energy. And then I fell on that rabbit hole. And I, that's the only part of Bitcoin that interests me right now. Um, yeah, okay, everything's interesting, but really that's the part that, that captures me. And I think it's especially important right now, if we look around the world, we're, we're having, uh, we're running into physics, right? To steal a line from Doomberg, uh, when your platitudes and physics fight, um, physics always wins. So it doesn't matter if you proclaim ESG or you want to have more wind turbines, good for you for that. Um, people are going to starve and they're not going to be able to heat their homes and it's going to cause all these issues. So now is when our relationship to energy as a species really, really matters. And the central planner types would like to coordinate with their big brains and their PhDs and their ivory towers. And they think that they can somehow coordinate the most complex thing we know of, which is uh, our relationships as a species, our interconnected subjective economy, whatever you want to call that. Um, on the other hand, Bitcoin is a simple system that has new incentives. These are very simple, very small, slight things, but uh, an incentive can have an outsized impact, right? And the central planners, they'll make a move, they'll change a policy or whatever it might be. And inevitably, there's unintended consequences that might actually make the system worse. And it's really hard to know ahead of time. And humans are full of hubris. And so we continue to make this mistake. However, I see Bitcoin as a complete opposite. Uh, the incentive is that now energy anywhere in the inner planets, like literally within our hash horizon. So from here, halfway to Mars, make a sphere around uh, of our Earth. That's a hash horizon. So 
roughly like 10, 10, light, 10 light minutes from Earth. Uh, anywhere in that sphere, you can now harness energy and there's a global price. That's amazing. Now you can go harness that energy and humans are creative. We respond to these incentives. So if we give ourselves another 20, 30, 40, 50, 500 years of that incentive, what do you think is going to happen? Humans are going to get very creative at, at, at uh, harnessing energy. We're going to get extremely efficient. And it's because of that simple incentive that we can now monetize it. And we don't have to bring it to the customer anymore, right? The, the, or the market to the molecule, as the GAM guys would say. But essentially just an incentive for humans to master energy. And energy is the master commodity. It's upstream of all human flourishing. And if we want to increase the quality of life of people on our planet, we want to make them rich. And the way we do that is by giving them more energy and letting them build things and letting the human creativity be unleashed, right? If you look in developing worlds, they pay about five times the energy cost of what we pay in the United States. How are you going to build a manufacturing plant when it, the cost of inputs are so high? Um, you're not. So what are you doing? You're relying on imports or you're hamstringing your economy or you're relying on predatory loans from the IMF. Um, that's not a, that's not a formula to flourish. And so I'm very passionate about uh, making energy more widely accessible at a lower price. And Bitcoin, I think is the best tool that we have to do that. And so it's going to, it's going to make financing new energy assets cheaper. So we're going to literally bring more energy online because the, the barriers are declined and all energy producers are going to be more economical. And so again, there's going to be more capital here. And it requires a long time horizon. And luckily, I think Bitcoin's here for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. And so, yeah, it just, it's just the missing puzzle piece in, in where we are right now. And, you know, physics versus platitudes, I'm choosing physics. I love it. JC, I'll toss it to you. Hey, so uh, super bullish now about some, if I had to pick one thing, should I say should I that? Mm -hmm. Um well, first, I'll get your comments on on Lisa uh, Lisa's topics uh, before we. Oh well, I was I was agreeing with Brandon so much as I was listening to him talk. Um, uh, when it comes to people, um, I really lost my train of thought here. <laughs> All good. All about is you know it's impacting so many different people. There's an energy aspect to it, but the the how many people Bitcoin is reaching um, in the long run. Absolutely. And that's, that is one of the, the most bullish things. Um, I think Nigeria is a great example. And um, I see it all around me now, especially like, even just locally, um, there are communities forming that are massive. It's never happened like this before. Um, our local meetups are a good example where, you know, usually during bear markets, there have been times in the last five years where it's just three of us just hanging out at Starbucks or something. And now, you know, we're in a middle of what looks like a big bear market and there's 30 people taking up an entire half of a, of a bar um, every, every Tuesday. So it's, it's, it's just massive. And the culture of the people, I mean, even the ones that are, you know, just figuring out about what this is, it's, it's, it's really getting through to people and not even in a way, you know, in the past, it was always more about the gambling, I think, for a lot of new people. And now it's, it's people that are understanding what it's for and the money and they watch podcasts like ETC sessions or 
uh, listen to things like Bitcoin Audible. And um, I mean, we're just seeing everything that we've been uh, waiting for happening right before our, our eyes. It's just almost like almost like we were more psychic than even I think most of us would give credit for. It's like, yeah, it's actually literally that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm <laughs> down the energy road. I'm wondering if this was the missing piece of the puzzle to to make people's thoughts in and around energy, obviously not in the short term, but in the longer term, make them think about energy and energy production more rationally because of the direct monetary incentive around it, but also to make people understand how and where Bitcoin can collect its energy. I, th I think it brings a lot of interesting topics to mind. Like for myself, before Bitcoin, I didn't understand that grids operate at peak capacity at all times in order to prevent roving blackouts when demand actually reached that peak. Um, and that that energy couldn't just be indefinitely held and uh, used later. I didn't understand a lot of those things. I didn't understand that you couldn't just grab energy from a hydro dam in the middle of nowhere and then you know stick it in something and then bring it to 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 a different part of the world like a lot of those things that that um energy producers just kind of understand because they have to um the vast majority of the world doesn't have a clue about those types of things and so you get people talking even about uh the opportunity cost of using stranded hydroelectric to mine bitcoin when you could have used that energy for something else um, I think the conversations that will be had in the coming decade, two decades, will um, hopefully wake a lot more people up to how energy works inherently. Hopefully we all get a better understanding of it over time, or at least, you know, those those in positions that get to explain this stuff and advocate for things uh, begin to at least understand for themselves. Um, and I think we're getting a little bit of a lesson with that right now, uh, where... All of a sudden, you know, you have Germany that shut down a whole bunch of different energy sources and then realized, oh, we've just been sourcing this from from Russia. Oh, shit. What are we going to do? Um, and now and now nuclear is green. Uh, so I, I'd say that's a net net positive. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see where it leads. <laughs> anyway, no, sorry, sorry, one, one, one final thing on that. I mean, you're we don't know how things work, right? We don't know how anything works until it breaks. And so we are seeing all over the world that money is broken. And we are seeing, you know, especially in Texas, that the electricity, uh, the, the entire energy, the, the mecca that is energy is broken, right? We're, we're not investing in energy. We've created a narrative that it's terrible. Um, so yes, to your point, I think Bitcoin was the, the thing that was dropped in our ecosystem for us to go, wait, we, we got to look at this again. We're thinking about this all wrong. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, both things are reaching so many people at the same time, right? Every, everybody's kind of got their mind towards energy right now because of the cost of it going up. Um, and energy producers are starting to pay attention to Bitcoin right now to reduce their own costs 
And so it's only a matter of time before those two things mesh together and you start to be, be getting hopefully a better understanding uh, on, on the part of the average person. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to round out this topic here, but I got to give a shout out, uh, in, in the, <laughs> in the chat here to my favorite person. He's here every week, almost every week, uh, long time fan of the show. Um, he, uh, is here all the time, sometimes hours in advance. Uh, Mr. David Wong, uh, he hates Bitcoin. But he's here all the time to tell us how wrong we are. Uh, so, David, thank you for being here and, and bringing your commentary. Uh, we love it every week. Uh, he, he wants us to know that uh, Bitcoin mining operations had an annual energy budget nearly equal to the entire country of Argentina. Fun fact, the market cap of Bitcoin is much larger than the GDP of Argentina. So I'd say that's pretty damn efficient. Um, but he also goes on to let us know that uh, the EU won't have enough energy for daily life, so they will not welcome Bitcoin miners. Uh, so, David, I, <laughs> I appreciate your input. He also wants you guys to know that Bitcoin is not the answer and that one more uh, one more price sell off will crash Bitcoin forever. So thank you, David. Uh, again, incredible insights from my number one fan. Glad you're here. Never leave, never change. Uh, but we will rotate <laughs> down. I'm going to pass it down. Sorry for the noise. There's construction. Uh, I'll pass it down to Brandon. Um, and we'll get your reason for being bullish. What has he bullish this week, man? Yeah. Uh, what has me bullish is that uh, David Wong is leading the way to get all of humanity to stop using our washing machines and our dryers and instead wash our clothes in the river with rocks and then hang dry them. It would be a huge boon for society. Yeah. I was also thinking of walking to the Pacific Bitcoin conference from Canada. Um, much, much less impact on the environment doing it that way. So much I, less. I should probably leave now. Uh, we might need to wrap the show a little bit early so I can make it in time uh, for November. But, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> okay. In all seriousness, um, Continuing on the energy discussion, uh, what has me bullish today is a new Bitcoin company that I think recently came out of stealth, which is Vespine Energy. And for the nerds out there, yes, that is a StarCraft reference, one of the resources in that game, which is a big part of my childhood. Um, but what Vespine does is they go around the country and they capture methane, which is a byproduct of landfills. So you bury a bunch of garbage, biology takes over, it heats up, and one of the byproducts is methane. Methane's 84 times uh, worse than CO2 for the atmosphere. There's the website. And so what they do is they take this horrible for the environment free waste product and they burn it and they convert it into electricity through a genset and they mine Bitcoin with. And there are thousands of these all over the country. Most of them are owned by local municipalities. And so it's kind of a big problem. And timing wise, the EPA or similar regulatory agencies in the US are saying, hey, landfills, you have to clean it up. So you have to invest a bunch of money to now capture that methane. And at a minimum, you have to flare it. And so all of these landfills are facing a large capital cost in the near future to comply with regulations. In comes Vespine, who will then take that and mine Bitcoin with the waste. And then they have some sort of a profit sharing agreement with the municipality owners. And they're doing a lot of work with the EPA and other uh, governmental bodies to make sure that this is accepted and sort of leaning into this idea. 
Okay, so that's the rough pitch. And I just learned about this like 72 hours ago. So I may have gotten a few details wrong, uh, but I'm obsessed with this idea. And here are a couple of reasons. Now we kind of know what it is. Why is this making me bullish? Uh, a few reasons. One, let's see, actually a couple more benefits. So it's good for the environment, C uh, CH4 to CO2. It's good for increasing the wealth of municipalities. So it's, it's bringing money back to these local um, municipalities and it's creating public sector allies everywhere they go. That's a big one. So now we're turning people who would traditionally either have a neutral or maybe even negative stance towards Bitcoin, we're turning them into our allies. And we need all the allies we can get in this type of relationship for future fights to come. Um, and the last benefit is a regulatory cover fire and also narrative cover fire. As the ETH boys transition to proof of stake, assuming that goes over smoothly, we better expect an enormous um, attack from that group. I bet there will be DAOs dedicated to PR and all this nonsense coming after proof of work, um, which I find despicable, but I, I also think it's inevitable. And so I think converting them into Bitcoin supporters is massive. And what's interesting about Vespain is they're starting with California, traditionally the, the most bearish on Bitcoin mining state. And that's where their pilot project is. So imagine the narrative violation when uh, the state or county in California is mining Bitcoin and Vespain convinces them to keep it on their balance sheet. That will be a huge deal. Um, it's also the strongest case for the, the Bitcoin's good for the environment that we have. Um, there are other examples that are carbon negative or good for the environment, however you want to describe it, such as flared methane. But flaring methane, that's a byproduct of drilling for oil. And so the environmentalists would say, well, you're just adding more revenues to the oil companies. We don't want to help them. We want them to go away. That's obviously uh, poor logic for many reasons, but it's a salient narrative for the Greens, where in this case, it's a 100% bulletproof, good for the environment. There's no way around it. So I think that's really nice. Um, yeah, that, that's probably enough on that. I'm bullish. Awesome. I, I love that. I had not heard of these guys before um i had heard a little bit about the idea of converting landfill methane but this is the first i've actually seen a, a hard example of it which is super awesome um i love that it's launching in and their pilot project is in california uh it's it's i i think that'll melt some brains when when you actually present that to people and say well actually this 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 ecological problem or this uh uh environmental problem that we needed to address was only addressed through this or a large part of it was addressed through this um there's a similar project as well and i'm just gonna see if i can pull it over here uh not exactly similar but like uh, the idea of heating homes with uh, the heat generated from Bitcoin mining. And this is mint green in Vancouver and they're doing a pilot project to, uh, to mine Bitcoin. I think also using a similar tactic um, where there's, there's waste involved and they're mining with that. And then they're using the excess heat from the mining to heat homes in the winter in Vancouver. Uh, and so this is Colin Sullivan's project, I believe. And uh and yeah, so I'm I'm super interested to see uh, how they how they build this out. But um, looks very very interesting to me too. But it, it's in the same vein, right? Where people assume that Bitcoin is just 
energy use is bad and, and that you're going to ruin the world with it. Um, and they don't put the human equation into it, nor do they realize that um, this can actually help in many areas. So yeah, super interesting, but I'll, I'll let uh, uh, either JC or Lisa comment here on, uh, on your topic. Oh, there it is. It's working now. You're good. Cool. Uh, yeah, super bullish. Always bullish um, on new ways that I think, as you're saying, you're kind of putting it politically, that the Greens uh, can appreciate um, how good for the environment, or at least for the energy industry, that Bitcoin actually is. I think there are so many. Um, um, you know, I grew up uh, uh, more into politics than I am now. And if anything, I leaned a lot more left um, than right. And I never got you know huge on the energy, but it, some of it, except to the extent that it's common sense. Some things are common sense. You know, you know if you can um, uh, spend a tiny fraction of your factory's revenue to, to put a more expensive uh, filter on a pipe that's billowing a bunch of nasty looking uh, smoke out, then sure. I mean, that's to me like it's just kind of selfish if you don't. If other people have to you know, be offended by the smoke everywhere. But but then a lot of it gets into, you know, just things that nobody will ever see and, and can never verify for themselves. And 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 that and you start using it as a means of controlling entire industries. Um, and oftentimes for the benefit of some uh, just an industry that's just as bad, like the uh, battery companies that uh, use tremendous amounts of energy to shill uh, solutions that are far less energy efficient uh, at the end of the day for the environment. Um, and, and when it comes to Ethereum lobbyists and proof of stake lobbyists, that's my 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 real concern. They're not so much the DAOs, except to the extent that the DAO is successfully able to fund um, some of these uh, political initiatives. But we already see a little bit now with Coin Center, and they act like they're an ally to, to Bitcoin because, well, Bitcoin traditionally has been the only thing anybody even knew about. Um, but but uh, as they are less reliant on Bitcoin's brand um, and all the more reliant on the um, altcoin industry's money, I think we're going to see them in politicians' pockets as one of the largest um, kind of like anti-proof of work uh, on the environments for the environment's sake uh, groups. But I think that ultimately. Uh, things like what Brandon is talking about and many other things that are happening um, are going to make those those talking points hopefully uh, short-lived for the thinking class in our society. That's a that's a, a lot of I'm giving a lot of benefit of the doubt there, but I do think ultimately that I'm really bullish on that. Yeah, uh, I I <laughs> I agree with you there, man. Um, I I do worry about the uh, Ethereum angle of uh, and and not that it would kill Bitcoin, but it would just be, it would just push off the inevitable even longer. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna be super annoyed if I have to sit through a decade of that crap. So, um, Lisa, thoughts on on Vespine mining with methane? Uh, you know, the the necessity of having examples like this uh, when it comes to attacks on Bitcoin from an energy front. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I love all of this. I love any innovative uh, use of energy. I have a lot of respect for folks in the energy business. They've got the best technologists and they've got access to um, 
you know, infrastructure that's in place. But I think what I love about you highlighting this for us, Brandon, is what I've told my daughter for a very long time. She can't predict where she's going to work when she grows up because it hasn't even been invented yet. And we're looking at these use cases all the time, right? Bitcoin is is creating jobs and, and companies and, and use cases that we could have never imagined before. So that's it's that's a pheno some phenomenal examples. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to uh, look more into Vespine and maybe who's behind it? Do you know? Yeah, I was just DMing with the guy on Twitter. I forgot his name. Maybe David. I'll find it in a second. But he recorded a podcast. Really David Wong? <laughs> could it be David Wong? Oh, my it gosh. It could I be. lied. It's Adam Wright, digital underscore know. or on Twitter. Awesome. I'll have to get um, him on. Maybe I'll get him and Colin Sullivan on a show together. We'll see. <laughs> you should. He recorded an episode with uh, with Peter on what Bitcoin did. It was good. I'll have to, it. I got to listen to that. That's awesome. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought up this topic. Uh, I, I again learn something new every day, and I'm excited to dive into that. Awesome. Um, Can I hammer one more point on that before we move on? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, this one's somewhat selfish, but it's going to illustrate uh, the big picture here nicely. So I wrote an essay about Bitcoin called "Bitcoin is a Pioneer Species," and this is the most, uh, I would say, most fun recent example of uh, Bitcoin acting as a pioneer species. Okay, what's a pioneer species? Um, let's say a volcano erupts on an island and kills all life on the island, right? Is that island destined to be just a dead igneous rock for the rest of its life? No. Uh, there are certain types of organisms that's role in our ecology is to colonize desolate landscapes and start the ecological succession process of turning a barren landscape into a more complex ecosystem. Yeah, the graphic there, Starts as a rock, ends as a complex um, ecosystem, right? And those species are typically a lichen or some sort of a seed that travels through a bird who poops on the island or some sort of floating seed in the, in the, in the ocean. Lands there, it, it all of a sudden starts decomposing the rock, turns it into soil, then it, it gets more complex. And as soon as it gets more complex, actually those original pioneer species, they get outcompeted by these uh, more, more complex species. And then that pioneer species hopefully reproduces, finds a new barren landscape to um, convert. And okay, Bitcoin miners are actually like the pioneer species. They're seeking out these untapped natural resources, which they can then um, turn into energy assets. Okay, so for example, a, a river in the middle of nowhere. Okay, we have gravity, we have water, um, that's a potential energy asset. Bitcoin miners enter the equation because they make financing that operation at a lower cost. So improve the energy investment economics. They come there. Um, now we have a, a hydro dam. Great. We have all this power. And it might take three years before they build a high, high voltage transmission to move that energy to the source of demand. And in that period of time, you wasted a lot of money on your CapEx and you have no customers. So Bitcoin acts as that captive demand in the short term as sort of bridges you to your future state, right? And that's like the ecosystem on that island becoming more advanced over time. And eventually we allow the complexity of society to build up around that energy asset. So it sort of gives us an opportunity to, um, instead of build population centers around ports, which are good for transportation, water, um, 
food, many other reasons. It allows us to use energy assets as the nucleus of human civilizations going forward. And so maybe um, Bitcoiners create some sort of a, a movement online and we have this uh, new constitution, Bitconia, and we go buy an energy asset in the middle of nowhere and, and create a special economic zone. Um, and we have all the energy we need, Bitcoin mining, uh, you know, supporting that, et cetera. And so I think that's kind of a cool example. And the final point there is the Bitcoin miners, right? They sort of seed that energy asset, but eventually demand builds up around it. End users like you and I will pay way more, more for the energy than the Bitcoin miners do. So those machines actually get outcompeted uh, by the more complex society. Um, and then those machines will go somewhere else. And again, seed prosperity everywhere they go, continually bringing more energy assets online. And so I think a Bitcoin miner is sort of as little citadel seeds. They're just spreading human prosperity wherever they go. That's super interesting. I love the idea of, um, you know, metropolitan and community centers being built around uh, different kind of pillars rather than uh, what has been done previously, because that could kind of upend the, the state of, of, current cities and things that we see right now, like the, there could be mass migrations based on, on that incentive structure in the future. Oh, I want to go work towards uh, work in this center where previously it was pretty barren, but there was some sort of stranded energy source here and people go there to work and mine Bitcoin. And then it becomes a, uh, an economic center and, and a community is built around that, that center. I mean, could I, I know I know that there's definitely scrutiny to be had for Bitcoin City, but is that the first kind of trial run of something like that where there there's a, a city based around an energy source that was prior stranded? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that would be an example. I find that example um, on the cringier side, but it is yeah, it is an example. Right. Right. And I think this will take place over decades. Right. The trend now is still urbanizing globally. Developed countries, we sort of get our suburbs and, and our SUVs and whatever. But underdeveloped countries, they're still massively urbanizing. And I think that that's if we look forward to the technological future, which is a grand surveillance state, CBDCs, um, the urban urban centers are going to be dystopian hellholes from my perspective. Other people might like it. Um, I like steak. I don't like bugs. And so I would like to maybe be on the periphery of society rather than be in these uh, mega states or mega, mega cities, essentially, with less freedom. And so it's sort of a self-preservation tool as well. It allows people who don't agree with the narrative a, a sort of an opt-out me method. As long as you have, we can put a nuclear reactor pretty much anywhere. So we can go buy land, put a nuclear reactor there, build society around it, work remotely, um, you know, start doing some ranching or whatever. And you sort of start to take back certain tools that allow humans um, to self-organize in a way that's not necessarily dependent on the state. And so our money is digital. We work remotely. Our energy, we can finance ourselves. Um, and I don't necessarily want to live in this weird Mad Max world where we have like a nuclear bunker under a mountain or something. I just want more symmetry with the state. 
And as technology becomes more advanced, that increases the asymmetry of whoever wields that technology, meaning smaller governments can control larger populations. Go look at China. And I would like tools in the West to preserve what we would consider Western liberal values, mm -hmm. because I think those are the best values we've come across. And I think tools like this help us do that. And so I want symmetry with the state. And I think this is one little puzzle piece um, yeah. in that end. You think this drives more localized governance in the end? Definitely. Yeah, that's that would be my hope. I, th I think that population growth has... I mean, the population that governments used to govern was was considerably smaller. And so um, the the responsibility of said governments has not not only like from where they started, it has become too too unwieldy for the size of the population because there's so many different subsets of people with differing views. Like, look at the, the U.S. is what, 330 million people more um, to have a singular government. Um, and I know that you guys have your, your individual states and state laws and everything, but like, you know, I, I think it can be argued that, that the, the federal government deals with too many aspects of day-to-day -day life on, on behalf of too many people. Um, and that getting back to that localized government governance makes things, uh, more suitable for each individual group of people, um, in a localized sense and, and maybe Bitcoin, married with energy gets us there so our um, founding fathers knew that well yes right? yes go look been, up what they were talking about yeah um, it's been a little lost since drifted then. over time right yeah that 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 creep right that uh government governmental creep but um yeah uh i love this topic i'm glad you brought it up i'm gonna have to reread bitcoin as a pioneer species when i loaded up the page I was like all the way down to the bottom. So clearly I had gone through it before, but I need to give it a reread to refresh myself. Um, but with that, we'll do one more rotation. So I'm going to uh, toss it down the line to JC. Uh, you're up, man. Uh, please do let me know what has you bullish. All right. So uh, the thing I've been more bullish about lately is um, the massive seemingly... Uh, it's not, it's not new, but it's happening more now than ever. Um, all of these people that are coming to, let's say, the Bitcoin meetup or that are meeting online in communities or on Twitter who are just learning about Bitcoin are already very passionate about it. But the, but the difference is that they already know through uh, all of the information that exists out there that they are only interested in Bitcoin in the so-called crypto industry, that they are not interested in you know, a bunch of yield generating so-called DeFi or whatever these things are. You look at, you know, if you look at it with a clear mind, you can see why many of that is not a good idea. And um, in the past, um, certainly there were a lot of people that uh, identified as, as Bitcoiners. But when you'd get newer people, if they were, they would either be ignorant to the difference of, of most things or they, if they only liked Bitcoin, it's probably because they only heard of Bitcoin. They never heard of these other things yet. So as soon as they get on YouTube, they start saying, wait a minute, look at this roadmap for uh, ice cream coin coin, uh, whatever. And, and that's happening. That is that is dying. I think this um, this last uh, alt season, if you want to call it that, has really exposed so many people to what an altcoin is, to what to what crypto trends are, to kind of that whole dynamic of uh, 
a buy the hot thing and hope it pumps. Like that's new to some people, which is why they get so excited about it. And then there's others that's not new to them, but they love to gamble and they'll continue gambling all bear market. Um, but then there's uh, people that are actually just looking for uh, the, the signal in the noise. And um, for those people, uh, it's much easier than ever to find resources on Bitcoin, why Bitcoin, and to see for yourself the the reason why um, it matters and some of those principles matter. The reason why uh, it's hard to change supply, the reason why uh, it's hard to change the issuance, or or that the uh, transactions are, are transparent. You know, privacy is obviously incredibly important, but in my opinion, not as important as fully transparent verification. Um, you want you want both of those things, but verification is far more important. Um, because what's the point of having a private thing that you can't trust? Uh, so, um, but so so that trend in particular, um, the the people that I'm meeting who are new and yet somehow very knowledgeable on why they like Bitcoin and nothing else explicitly, and and that and that and that's um, I'm seeing the opposite of that in some of the talking points now with some people. If you listen to some of the other. Uh, podcasts uh, like with Udi Wertheimer, for example, I was talking to him before I got on the show and in his mind, um, I don't know how we can be so opposite because he thinks that this is uh, happening less, not more. And I'm, and I'm just like, how is it possible for you to think that? Like I've been doing this for a while and it's undeniable now how many new people are, are coming in as uh, people who aren't looking for a get rich quick scheme and who understand what Bitcoin is. And that's, that's the whole point. And that's why so bullish on on that yeah i i love that um i've definitely noticed this too right like this is this was the first cycle where um i saw newcomers that had just for the first time bought anything and either immediately or very quickly gravitated to bitcoin only um and i think part of that is is due to uh, um, the, the number of great resources that are out there that kind of point out the difference, um, and, and the cohesive message around it, right? Because if you look at the, the narratives around a lot of these other things, they're constantly shifting to make themselves appear relevant versus Bitcoin, right? So anything whose only purpose was scaling because Bitcoin quote unquote doesn't scale is now irrelevant, right? Like look at Bcash and Bitcoin SV. The, that was, you know, they literally forked themselves in half because they couldn't agree how much they needed to scale. Now you have people de delisting Bitcoin SV because they can't even run a node to offer the coin. Um, so it's, it's, uh, kind of clear which way that has gone. And at the same time, you know, back when these arguments started, there were no scaling solutions on chain or off chain. And five years later, I use lightning every single day. I was looking at my node today and I, I, I just scrolled through seven days of people streaming sats to the podcast. There was, pro there's probably somebody listening to me say this right now. Uh, and they're streaming me X number of sats per minute. And if you are listening to this right now, drop a boost and tell me that you boosted at this exact moment because that would be poetic. Um, but, you know, I, I think that 
again, the, the cohesive narrative of, of why Bitcoin's important, why it stands out, um, the, the kind of firm principles that it's been built around that are uncompromising, and then its uncanny ability to bake in all of these features that um, these other protocols made massive trade-offs to achieve uh, to be the only one that could do it until that was no longer true. And I think that's going to happen again and again and again. Right now, top of mind for a lot of people, as with my topic, um, privacy is a, is a big one. However, we're much better off right now in terms of privacy, in terms of available tools, than we were in regards to scaling in 2017. Five years later, again, you know, Bitcoin's scaling pretty well. Um, is it is it done scaling? By no means. Um, can, are there UI improvements to be made? Absolutely. But it it still doesn't change the fact that I'm having micropayments streamed to me minute by minute for a podcast for like negligible fees whatsoever. Um, that's pretty amazing. And so even today with privacy, we've got, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, CoinJoin, whether it be state chains, whether it be Lightning itself, which is also a scaling solution, whether it be um, things like Fediment on, on the roadmap. Um, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening that help improve Bitcoin privacy. Um, and I think this is going to be the case with a lot of things, whether it be smart contracts, whatever, whatever, whatever is actually useful um, can and will be ported in layers to Bitcoin. Um, the, the main difference between these things is time preference. Um, Ethereum existed because of a, an impatience of allowing some of those things to exist on Bitcoin and, and building out a solid foundation. I mean, it's fine that people uh, experiment and build um, in the interim, but if, I think if we're realistic about where things go over time, is that you're going to want a global language for value and applications that are useful to be built on top of that global language. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. I love the idea of, of uh, people coming in Bitcoin only. In terms of what Udi was saying, if you were talking to him about this and he thinks it's happening less, I don't think so. I think what he's seeing is... Uh, He's seeing instances more often of people getting angry with uh, discourse on Twitter um, in and around Bitcoin only because, you know, Bitcoin maximalists, let's, you know, can be quite blunt. <laughs> I think that's that that can irks people the wrong way. I think there's maybe a difference between uh, being unapologetically uh, drawn to a singular asset because of the qualities of that asset versus just saying things to be a dickhead um, like that aren't related to the actual uh, message that you're trying to convey. I think those are two different things. Um, but at the same time, I think he's seeing instances of pushback towards how people present themselves online and how they speak to each other online. Um, and he's interpreting that as 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 a, a break from Bitcoin itself, I don't think so. I think it's just you're going to see more people that can't handle the the cutthroat um, discourse 
that is Bitcoin Twitter. Uh, that can be difficult to handle uh, at times. You got to have tough skin for that. Um, but again, I think you're right. I've I've never seen more people come and say Bitcoin just makes sense, and the quality of people that are seeing it is going up. And usually, if there's a, a rift in that, you can typically find some sort of incentive that would drive that particular position um in part so anyways that's where i stand i'll i'll open it up to maybe uh maybe i'll, t I'll toss to lisa here uh if you have any thoughts on this yeah well i and i love what you said that bitcoin is a global language for value it it is i um jc i wish that i was seeing people who came just first to bitcoin Right. I, I feel like, in fact, yesterday I was saying to somebody, I, I just feel like at times just like quitting. Like I want to get home and just quit having a fight with people about whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or all this other crap that's out there. I mean, you cannot you cannot put your value system onto someone else's value system. You can't tell them what kind of food to eat, what kind of art to buy. You can't tell them that, you know, public school versus private school, which one is better? What are the pros and cons? You, I, you can't put your own values on somebody else. So I, I've just gotten to the point where, because I don't see that. I do see people who, who I am around on a daily basis in my personal life who say things to me like, I'm finally going to buy Bitcoin and I think I'm going to buy this basket of other stuff too. And I'm like, like, really? Like you see me and talk to me every day. But it's it it can't resonate. It doesn't resonate. Everybody goes on their own timeline, right? I first bought I don't know how many ten or twenty or however many different cryptos way back when. I mean, and then I just discovered what the you know the absolute pristine thing that Bitcoin is. So I, I just I quit fighting with people and just say okay. You know, just be accepting, try to be nice, try to be kind, try to provide information. But good for you. It sounds like you're, you're hanging out with great people, Crown. <laughs> I, it's, I guess it depends, too. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the somebody's first step into the space, right? Like, inevitably, there's going to be a degree of, oh, I dabbled in this and that. But I've definitely seen quicker transitions from people, right? I've seen quicker... Oh, I get it. Um, and it, it's, it's a symptom of, I guess, when you enter the space too. I think people that maybe enter it in, in and around this time or, or late in, in the bull market and then see things kind of uh, get wiped out and see a lot. They witness a lot of the rug pulls and they witness a lot of the problems with some of the projects. Maybe they're more likely to also understand some of that but it i guess it all depends on where you allocate your capital initially too because you could be directly incentivized not to understand the difference um there's probably a degree of that as well i don't know like when when you have um when you speak to these people and they say oh i'm buying a, a basket of other things um are they privy to what they're buying is they're like do they have like oh i'm getting this because this or is it just like i'm going to spray and pray like what what lisa what's been your experience yeah well in in this instance that i'm really referring to it's um 
it's someone that I'm dating that I care a ton about. And we've been dating a year and a half and he has been very resistant to Bitcoin. He with his wealth manager last week and his wealth manager just made this enormous case for how Solana was going to change the world. No, but I have oh, to know <laughs> all of these other things. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, first of all, your wealth manager, like, what does he really know about Bitcoin? Well, you know, they're starting to pursue it. And it's a guy at JP Morgan. It's, uh, I don't believe that, uh, I don't know how to say this. I don't think wealth managers should be counseling their clients on where to invest unless they truly understand the space. I think it's reckless. I think it is um, malpractice. I think if you were a doctor and you were prescribing these you know, unproven treatments to your patients, uh, you, you'd have your license taken away. It's just, you know, it's one of these things that I, I come home and I'm like, I, okay, I can't, I can't argue, right? I, I give up, do whatever you want. It's like, oh, um, you're, your neck hurts. Here's a bottle of Oxy. <laughs> that's what he just lobbed, lobbed into his pocket here. So, uh, that's unfortunate. I don't know. Um, Brandon, did you have, I saw, I saw you might have something here. Yeah. Lisa, I'm sorry. He's a 10, but he believes his wealth manager's advice on Solana. So <laughs> I, I tell him all the time. I'm like, I think I'm going to have to break up with you because you're stupid. <laughs> Right. And he's really not. I'm sure he's he really loves so that. Smart. He's, he laughs. He has the best sense of humor. Oh, that's good. I don't think uh, raw intelligence is actually that good of an indicator for grasping Bitcoin. I think it, this is a tangent before I make my actual point. I think it allows you to go really fast to, you know, accumulate the knowledge needed to appreciate Bitcoin. But I actually think it's more about open mindedness, how much you trust the system, ego being able to put that aside. I think those are actually better indicators for grasping Bitcoin. And sometimes intelligence back to the yuppie elite, it works against you uh, because your institutions you were brought up in, you know, they don't help you um, accept Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Comments on this one for you crown. So I have lots of comments here. One, I think timing in the cycle really, really matters here. So when the price is pumping, it's 20% APY, let's go, you know, we're just making money and Bitcoin is lagging behind um, because it's a bigger asset. It takes more to push it around. And then we have a bear market and now people are starting to ask the question, but where does the yield come from? Right. Thanks to our friend Alan Farrington for hammering that point home. I think it's the most succinct way to deconstruct uh, the shitcoin games is just ask that one question. Nobody likes the answers. Um, and so, yeah, in the bear market, that's when Bitcoiners are minted, right? That's when reality sets in. That's when self-preservation sets in. You start to look around. And I, I also like to think about this concept of how fast do you become a Bitcoiner or what's the ratio of new people? Where are they onboarding? Uh, and from the micro and the macro. So the micro, like what's happening to an individual? What's an individual's journey like? And the macro is like, what is the context for people at this point in time interacting with Bitcoin? And so on the micro scale, you know, we would like to believe that humans can learn lessons from reading or thinking or conversations or things like that. But the reality is, it seems like most people need to learn lessons the hard way, right? They need to touch the stove. 
And that's how it was for me. I consider myself a deep thinker, a critical thinker, blah, blah, blah. But in 2017, I got caught up with the, the Shikoi narratives and I learned a painful lesson in early 2018. And I decided to double down because I'm stubborn. And I decided to relearn economics from the ground up, change my inputs, uh, probably just trying to justify why I lost money trading these shitcoins. And then I found out that Bitcoin actually is the thing here. Um, and sort of had a new foundation to keep going. But uh, again, I had to touch the stove and I think most people do. Um, on the macro side, I think this is an, um, I don't think this idea has permeated through Bitcoin well enough yet, which is that Bitcoin really hasn't changed that much since it was launched. It's been micro improvements the whole way, but no meaningful changes, no material changes. It's all just little evolutions and they're necessary and, and there are necessary for these things to occur long-term, but the core is the same. Um, but what has changed? The context in which Bitcoin exists in, right? This is the first time we're having a credit, uh, credit contraction period in Bitcoin's history. It's the first time where energy markets are breaking. We're in a commodity uh, supply shortage, which will take years to bring more supply online. And so it kind of actually matters now. And so, I think this is Bitcoin. I think it's Bitcoin's true test. We're going to face real enemies now. We're starting to see this. And I also think it's the, the potential for acceleration. The adoption curve is way, way higher. So in other words, the, cur the curve will steepen uh, if we're right about Bitcoin in this next decade because it actually matters. And so I think I think that's kind of how I, I see from that, that perspective. Um, in terms of are people going to altcoins or Bitcoin first? Um, I think the challenge with onboarding straight to Bitcoin or understanding Bitcoin only, why that thesis is rational. The problem with that is you have to understand what money is and nobody knows what that is. And we're also arrogant to think that we do know what it is because we use it all the time. And we spend so much of our energy thinking about it, but we're not thinking about it on a deep level. We're just being we're just little rats in a maze trying to get our little tickets and so I think the prerequisites are holding people back. And I think it probably takes on average, an average person at least 100 hours to grasp Bitcoin, to even get close to a deeper understanding or appreciating it at least. And if you're smart, maybe you can do it in less. Um, and so I see it more like we have more context for Bitcoin. There's more content so people can speed run understanding Bitcoin. You can understand it way faster because there's great content. There's more podcasters. There's more social signaling. It's no longer as weird, right? And that, that all speeds up the time to Bitcoin. But I think the process, that the proof of work has to be done before you can appreciate this thing. Yeah, you can follow, you can trust a friend and just follow them into Bitcoin and be Bitcoin only because you trust Lisa, but... That's not a durable position. And so I think the work has to be done um, until it's extremely obvious, we could say. Um, yeah, inflation's coming in, self-preservation. And yeah, I guess that's how I think about it is there's going to be a lot of people going to the shitcoins because technology is, is an easier lift. Mm -hmm. We can think about Silicon Valley and we can go that route, whereas money is, is so abstract and it's really hard to grasp, genuinely. Yeah. Yeah, I think in, in terms of JC's topic, I, I think proportionally, like we're, we're going to get more people coming into the quote unquote crypto space as a whole, but percentage wise of all those people, we're going to 
eke away at, at uh, a, a, a larger chunk of those that are understanding Bitcoin quicker. Um, I, but with the influx of so many people, that means that when you look at it on its head, there's just going to be so many that are coming in and, you know, buying baskets of Solana and <laughs> things like that, um, because that's kind of an inevitable part of many people and most people's uh, learning process. Uh, but when you're in and around kind of the, the, the Bitcoiner circles, um, yeah, it's, de it's definitely been a year where I've noticed a lot more, even like I just, so I just did a workshop in Vancouver on, I did like a, a self custody workshop and then I did a cold card deep dive. Um, and at that, <laughs> at that workshop, um, I had uh, somebody that volunteered to help out over the course of the day. Um, I met him last year at Bitcoin 2021 and uh, or maybe I, I met him this year. But anyways, so I, I had met him in person previously. But yeah, he volunteered to help out. So he was there for like the beginner self-custody walking through wallets. He was invaluable hopping from person to person when I couldn't get there. The, he would explain stuff to them. Then we did the cold card deep dive. And while he didn't know of all of the features and hadn't tried them yet, he was still helpful enough to be like, hey, this is what you know, this is how this works and help people with like, you know, some of the basic functions of it. He understood Bitcoin only. He was definitely on that. Um, he understood like, and actually why he had that position. Um, he uh, even, you know, was nice enough to, as I, cause I was sending Bitcoin to, to people there so they could test transactions and everything. And he's, he's got mempool.space pulled up and he's letting me know how many blocks in front of me are in front of me and what the, what the fees were like and everything. So I could act accordingly. Um, and, and, uh, actually he's in the, he's in the chat right now. So <laughs> shout, shout out to, uh, TJ. Um, he was awesome. And then he drops this bomb that he's in Bit been in Bitcoin for like a year and a bit. And I was like, damn. So you not only got in in the midst of a bull run in just a flurry of shit coinery, uh, managed to weather that, lead yourself down the path of understanding why Bitcoin and then also become knowledgeable that you're literally helping me out with a workshop like I'm going to be out of a job soon if more people start coming in with this quality. Uh, so, so shout out to TJ um, and, uh, and all his help. It was amazing. Um, but uh, you know, this is just an example of some of the things I've seen this year and you love to see it. Yes. Is it as prevalent as, you know, I just, I just diversified my crypto portfolio. No, but it's becoming a larger portion because I, I had never seen it before these past two years and seeing it a handful of times in the past couple of years here has, I, I just w had no idea that it could happen. I just assumed that people's trajectory would maybe be like my own where it took years to get there and it's taking far less time. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave those thoughts there. Um, <laughs> uh, any, any other final thoughts on, on, uh, on this topic of, of people coming into, 
to to Bitcoin and and understanding things more quickly. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll leave it there. Uh, what what I'd like to do is I'm gonna start I'm gonna start rounding out here. But what I'd like to do is usually near the end of the show I go around and I just do a, a quick round of any final thoughts on anything that was said today. And number two, a challenge to you guys uh, would be um, a a recommendation of a piece of content. Uh, whatever that may be, something that has helped you in your Bitcoin journey. Uh, it could be a, a book, a podcast, an article, a movie, a you know some abstract thing that you've come across. Uh, so I'll get us started. So uh, you guys have time to scramble for that second thing. Um, but uh, I'm going to recommend, uh, let me just pull it off my bookshelf here. Um, and I have yet to get through this. Uh, but I, I obviously have his two other books. Um, and, uh, one of the guys at the meetup, um, uh, was telling me about a particular quote from this book and I, I just loved it. I'm not going to pull it up right now, but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's excellent. Actually, maybe I will, because it was, it's worth, uh, it's worth repeating here. So let me pull it up anyways. Um, those of you familiar with Knut Svanholm. Uh, this is is where it's from, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read out the quote here. By the way, the book is called "Everything Divided by 21 Million" by Knut Svanholm. It is his third book. The foreword is by Jeff Booth. Uh, I enjoyed his first couple of books. They're just really quick reads. This one a little bit longer than the last two, but still like a, a short, manageable read. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to read an excerpt from the book uh, that was brought up to me by Murph, a guy that I met at the at the workshop that he just loved. Uh, more false promises, more money printing, more problems, more fear. A vicious downward spiral emerges. More and more individual rights are given away in favor of causes supposedly of a greater good to society. People tend to forget that society is nothing but the individuals in it. The crucial fact is often lost somewhere along the path to totalitarianism. Society is you and me. Few fights would be left to fight without terrorists, junkies, poor people, climate change, and viruses. In such a world, politicians would serve no purpose. Therefore, it is not in their self-interest to ever solve a societal problem, only to wage a perpetual war against it. You're the terrorist they want you to be afraid of. You're the junkie they wish to imprison. You're the carbon they wish to reduce and the virus they hope to contain. You're the poor person that won't vote against his own livelihood, which only they can provide. To put it in another way, you're the victim in need of a savior. Assigning a politician to solve a societal problem is a bit like hiring a convicted pedophile to babysit your kids. <laughs> so this is a, uh, a an excerpt from the uh, pointed mind of Knut Spanholm's book, Everything Divided by point 21 Million. He has a unique way of framing things. Um, and I, I, he's, he's very, uh, we, we did a, a, a chat with him at Bitcoin 2022 when Pierre Corbin was, um, uh, doing a, a showing of his film. Uh, 
um, called The Great Reset. And uh, great film, but we did a little chat afterwards. We did some audience Q&A with the director, myself and him. And uh, Knut is very adversarial when it comes to like if somebody says something incorrectly no 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 you you can't say that and he's very he wants to make sure that people get it and he wants to make sure that people understand his point of view and uh if they've said something uh he views as incorrect he he will not leave it he will so anyways uh excellent excellent stuff that he's he's kind of i i find them thoroughly entertaining and there's some uh definite nuggets of of uh interesting insight in in these books so check it out um in terms of final thoughts i love that we had a a a kind of funneling towards the idea of of energy and the world at large kind of waking up to bitcoin um inevitably uh and those two things definitely are are explicably married together um so yeah i just had a a great conversation so i'll leave it at that i'll go around the circle now so i'll pass it to jc first uh dude do you have any final thoughts and uh recommendation uh anything you'd like to share well um (laughs) i like to you know it's so hard to find good content sometimes online of course you know because it's hard to find people that are that are that are not taking money from uh other things like gambling things, but BBC sessions, but everybody already knows that. Um, all the Bitcoin Audible stuff is always my favorite. And it's so easy to recommend that because, um, you know, he's cultivating articles from the entire Bitcoin space. So it's not just his views. It's like all the best thinkers like Gigi and others. Um, and so that is always a consistently high signal source um, that, I, that I like to send people to, including actually Swan Bitcoin, um, even though it's an exchange or really not really an exchange, more of a place to buy Bitcoin. Um, but they have amazing educational tools and I, I trust them in so much as to say that, you know, they know uh, what's important and they've hired amazing people to put that information out there. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been a great show and, and hearing um, everybody's points of view um, as always and um, just super bullish about where we're going and, and to the mention of like oh you must hang around really good people that's reminds me uh we have here i live in raleigh in north carolina and we have the the uh bitcoin, the raleigh bitcoin meetup and it's amazing people there um guys like steve that have been running it for years um i don't know if i want to say their names but i'll, I'll just say he's i'll say jp uh he's uh been doing amazing work with uh um bitcoin trusts um Bruno and uh, I gotta say, of course, Brooks has like been one of the guys I've been hanging out with most. He's uh, he works at CME, but even though he, he's here with us, he's got his office in Wall Street. But all these guys, I mean, these are this is the real Bitcoin community, and everybody's real community should be local. I mean, it's great we know each other from um, the internet, and like that's a much bigger fish tank, so we get to hang out with awesome people. But you, your closest people should live close to you, um, and so I, I encourage everybody to find. Uh, people like that around them. And if it doesn't exist, then you should make it. Um, but being around uh, real Bitcoiners every day, it just it's the best way to stay grounded because, you know, Twitter can do what it does and it gets kind of crazy and it can almost gaslight you into thinking whatever it wants. Like, I, sometimes you're like, what's the point of it? Um, but when you have real people around you every day that keep you, you know, on the same page, uh, that is uh, priceless. So Awesome. That's great. Uh, let's do a rotation. Uh, Brandon. Any final thoughts and recommendations from you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to hammer the energy point home one more time, energy is good and more is better. Don't be shy. We want it. If you care about people, you want more energy. Um, we really need to reframe this. If you're if you're for the environment, but you're anti-nuclear, you're just stupid. Um, and so let's think about these things rationally. Physics versus platitudes. Physics always wins. Um, in terms of content, I was going to say, I'm going to say two, but really it's one. Um, Bitcoin is worse is better by Guern. That's like my pet favorite article. It was written in 2011, extremely lucid thinking. Um, I think it still stands the test of time. So if, if you haven't seen that one, um, just Google Bitcoin is worse is better. Um, truly, truly mind blowing that that was written in 2011. Um, but the point I really want to hammer home is actually about social scalability, uh, which is a term coined by Nick Szabo. So you can go to unenumerated, that's his blog, or just search money, blockchains, and social scalability. Um, social scalability is essentially a human's ability to cooperate better. And so we have these certain types of technologies that allow society to scale, right? So if we have rule of law that allows us to operate in the economy, because we all know the rules, and by doing that, we can offload the cognitive burden of, is my trading partner going to kill me? Uh, probably not, because there's consequences, Right. And there's many other such examples of social scalability. Um, I think Bitcoin is the, the most important one right now. It allows us to create a monetary system that humans can't corrupt. OK, this is a huge, huge, huge value point for Bitcoin. The ETH boys, they miss this entirely. They want to be the new central bankers. Uh, but the reality is we want to remove people from the process. Um, and that allows us to say, OK, we have an economy. We have a, this money game here. Well, the fact that we can't change the rules, that will prevent us from even trying to change the rules. That reduces the incentive to politicize the money, to get close to the power source, because it's just not possible. It'd be a waste of your time. So what does that do? It forces everyone to say, well, I can't cheat. I can't lie. I can't use political games. Instead, I have to be productive. Mm -hmm. And on net, that will lead to more productivity per human um, and a more fair game, right? It's a meritocratic money. Back to OB. I think that's his quote. Mm -hmm. And proof of stake is the opposite of this. It's always vulnerable to capture. And yeah, it, it, it works, quote unquote. But <laughs> how long will it work before it becomes captured? Right? Fiat money works. The petrodollar system works. Um, but then all of a sudden, uh, the system corrupts. And, it, and over time, it breaks. And then there's huge dislocations in society. And it creates a lot of waste. So uh, let's let's go with Bitcoin. Let's remove the humans and let's scale socially. Um, yeah, that's my point for today. Love it. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, no worries. Lisa, you're up uh, finally. What uh, would you have for any final thoughts and or recommendations? Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite books is The Psychology of Money, Morgan Hussell. I found that when I was on my Bitcoin journey, I really had to have a, um, I really had to have a heart to heart with myself about my relationship with money. Not to get super personal, but I mean, we had massive change in uh, money circumstances. I was growing up both directions and that's pretty eye opening, especially when you're left with kind of no money at the end of the rainbow and not loads of money, right? It's like, no, it's not happily ever after. So my journey in Bitcoin was really the, um, you know, what is a function of money? Uh, what's responsible money? 
etc. But this book will help you understand how you think about money and what your personal relationships with money are. And once perhaps you have considered that, you can start to consider what is money inside of the Bitcoin ecosystem. And our final thought would be just if you are not if you're not in the Bitcoin world and you want to be in the Bitcoin world, please pursue that. Reach out to folks that you know on Twitter or reach out to your friend that's involved. Um, I've had, I'll tell you, we interviewed somebody um, today who is a physicist. Are you, are you there? I can hear you now, but you broke up for a second. I don't know if you can still hear me, so I'll still talk. Uh, just get into the Bitcoin world. Ah, <laughs> just get into the Bitcoin world. I mean, we can. <laughs> if she doesn't come back, we can. That's at least it. It uh, it, it ended on a a, a point to uh, dive into. So yeah. Anyways, um, guys, I will say uh, I very much appreciated all of you being here. Uh, if Lisa comes back, I'll, I'll get a final word from her. Uh, but uh, not bad timing. So, <laughs> so either way, uh, and the psychology of money. Oh, there she is. We, the last we heard from you, and we heard uh, basically all of that. The last we heard from you was uh, just get into Bitcoin. And then it yeah, went. Yeah, I'm sorry. All good. Who knows? Uh, I interviewed a woman today who's a physicist. And she worked in uh, national defense on some radars for defense purposes, just extremely educated and has decided that she's going to look into some other opportunities and she's fascinated by Bitcoin. And so I, I would, I've also been talking with a, a guy that works for a hedge fund and he waits tables at night. Both of them know so much about Bitcoin that it is, it gives me a lot of hope that there are people from all aspects of life that are coming into Bitcoin. You don't need a financial background. You don't need a college degree. You don't need, I mean, you don't need anything except for the interest and the, the drive to learn it. And, uh, you know, so I would just say everybody follow, follow your heart when it comes to life, because it's, you know, it's going by pretty fast. And we all, I believe, are put here to do good things for others. Mm -hmm. So as the swan guys say, like, let's get on the mission. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, well, with that, I think that's that's a good way to end it. Let's get on a mission here. Um, thank you all for being here for the show. Great conversation, great topics. Um, and of course, uh, anybody watching, you can follow everybody down below in the show notes all of their twitter handles are there and from there you can likely find everything that they're doing and working on so um yeah thank you all once again and you're all welcome back anytime thank you ben Thanks, great to be with you guys such and a great show awesome, awesome. thank Bye, you guys you. very much all right i'll see you guys soon um everybody else that's watching thank you so much for being here everybody in the chat TJ, thank you for coming out. Uh, I was stoked to see you pipe up when I started talking about you there. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to follow everybody. Uh, they're all super awesome. And, uh, you know, keep up with what they're doing. Um, of course, 
If you want to help the show, uh, like, subscribe, share, all those things, super important. You can also help the show by hitting up the previously mentioned sponsors in the show notes. Those were ShakePay, Ledin, BitRefill, Keystone, BillFaddle. They're all down here. And if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a Bitcoin tip at my strike page. That's strike.me slash BTC sessions. You get there, type in any amount you want and hit the tip button. You'll be greeted with a lightning invoice, or if you prefer, tap to the right. You'll see a regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Bitcoin.